so we are finishing our, our series on um, the, the, Bible, uh, the Bible project. And so, so what this has been over the last month is this has been an opportunity for us to, to watch some great videos. The Bible Project, they, they do a great job with their videos. They're, what they do is they show how, um, how the Bible is a unified story, that the Bible really is telling one story, and like all roads lead to Jesus, right? That everything is kind of summed up in Jesus. And so, so there's all sorts of themes you know, that hundreds of videos. And so I, I hope that you've enjoyed these messages, but I also hope, though, that maybe you've gotten curious about some of the other hundreds of Bible Project videos. They're all four to six minutes long, and, uh, and you can check them out. I've actually, I've incorporated them now as just kind of a part of my, my normal kind of time alone with God. Um, and, so, and so I want to talk, I want to finish this up talking about justice, specifically talking about biblical justice. Because, listen, this term justice gets thrown around a lot in our society. It's like in the zeitgeist. I don't know if, there's a, I don't know if there are too many terms that get talked about more than justice. We, we talk about it. We interact with us. When we see, you know, what's going on in Ukraine, uh, there's a cry in us as we see what Vladimir Putin and the Russians are doing. And we're just like, this is wrong. Like, what's happening to these families and these children? This is unjust. Right? Uh, last, last year, a couple years ago, when we were dealing, when we started to become aware and, and started to have this racial kind of reckoning and racial conversation, a big part of it was kind of started when we all saw the video of George Floyd with the cop kneeling on his neck. And all of America saw that and was like, this is wrong. This is unjust. As he's crying out, you know, I, I can't breathe. We thought, this is unjust. You know, and then we've seen as so many of the things that we're talking about is framed through this lens of justice. You know, whether it's separating families at the border or, or you know, just lately I've been hearing so many accounts of, of Asian, specifically women, who are experiencing these random attacks in our cities. Like there just seems like every week there's another one in New York City on a, on a subway platform or, or someone just kind of walking to their apartment and you just think, this, this is unjust, this is wrong, this should not be. Uh, we think about, you know, economic justice. And now we've got, you know, we've got the price of gas has doubled and we have inflation like we've never seen. And so we think, man, you know what? The game is rigged, you know? So you've got like hardworking families and it's like getting harder and harder. They were struggling to begin with. And now with this inflation, it's getting harder and harder to, to, to make ends meet. And so we just kind of see over and over again that, that this term, this understanding of justice is something that we interact with. And, and it's something that I've noticed, you know, you know, just a lot of different ways. And why I, why I want to talk about biblical justice, because it seems to me like, like the word is kind of getting misused a little bit in our society. I remember I, a couple months ago, I was watching this, some, some talking head on TV, you know, and it was on the conservative kind of political right side. And this person said, if you go to a church that uses, that talks about justice and uses the term justice, you need to get out of that church because it's kind of like anti-God and probably has some kind of like communist agenda or something like that. And I was like, has this person ever read the Bible? Like, the word justice is all throughout the Bible. Then on, but then on the political left, on that side, it seems to me, to be because it's such a popular word and we talk about it so much, that, that whatever your cause is, you just kind of slap the word justice on it, you know, and you just kind of try to get some traction with that. And so we see that, like, the word is kind of being diluted. The word is, is misunderstood. And so, hopefully, 
because this is such an important concept, such an important thing for us to understand, right? Justice is something that comes from the heart of God. It's rooted in the heart of God. It goes all throughout the story of the Bible. And it's, and it's summed up and clearly seen in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. So my hope is, is that we come out of this with a greater understanding and appreciation of what biblical justice is and why we're called as individuals and as church to display God's justice and God's righteousness. So let's watch this video on biblical justice. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families, and then in communities, and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use, but what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here, in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets, like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. 
So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. All right. So let's redefine justice according to what the Bible says. And so I have in your, in your notes, if you, if you have the app, I have, uh, I have a fill-in-the-blanks uh, fill outline that you can download that you can check out. And my first point is biblical justice is based on the fact that all humans are equal before God. So biblical justice comes from the fact that we're all made in the image of God. And so we understand that every single person that we come across, they are made in the image of God and that they have unsurpassable worth. And so we are to treat people with, as, as people who have unsurpassable worth because they're made in the image of God. Now we add to that the fact that we know that they're also redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. And so that's what we're called to do. That's the, the standard of justice and righteousness is that we are treating people as, as individuals who have unsurpassable worth before God. Now, the problem with, the human, with human history and the human story is we're not very good at that. 
right? We haven't, we haven't done that. Actually, what we normally do is like we come up with ways that we can kind of redefine good and evil. And so we can kind of redefine it so that it benefits us and it hurts people maybe we don't care about so much. And so we see that, right? We see that now with what's happening in the Ukraine. We see that with, with Vladimir Putin. You know, his, his rationalization is that he's liberating the Ukrainian people. And so I've seen interviews with soldiers, Russian soldiers, who are actually surprised because they were told that the Ukrainians would recognize them as liberators and say thank you. And they're like, they're not thanking us. They're throwing Molotov cocktails at us. What's going on? Uh, you know, he also has a story that he's uniting the, you know, the Russian motherland. And so, but that's what we do. And you see, like, historically, we've done this over and over again, whether it's like apartheid in South Africa or Jim Crow laws in the American South or, you know, using, using the way that people use the Bible to justify the horrors of the African slave trade. We, we've seen that this has just happened over and over and over again, but not just in really big, like, history moments. It happens in families. It happens, you know what, if, if, if like righteousness is that we're treating people with the dignity what, the way they deserve, we recognize that there's a lot of injustice and unrighteousness that happens in our families. Right? We don't treat our parents with the dignity that they deserve. We sometimes don't treat our kids with the dignity that they deserve. Maybe there's someone in your family who's, they're kind of known as the black sheep. And so they don't get the same privileges and opportunities that other family members get for some reason. Maybe you have felt that way. Maybe you have felt that, that in your family growing up, that for some reason you're treated differently. And it's not just, and it's not fair, and it's not right. You're not the favored child, or whatever, you know, this shows up in a lot of ways. Or maybe, you know, it shows up at your job, right? We had the, we had the Me Too moment, and really what that was, was, was recognizing that you've had for years, you've had women who were being sexually harassed, but, but they couldn't say anything, they couldn't do anything, because if they did, they were going to get fired, because the odds were totally stacked against them. So we see injustice shows up all over the... Even in churches, injustice can show up. Unrighteousness and injustice. There can be, there can be systems of unrighteousness, like just kind of a, you know, a good old boys club that's kind of going on. It shows up in society in so many different ways. And we make excuses for it. Right? We say things... Sometimes when we come against this kind of thing, we say, well, you know what? You just gotta, you just gotta go along to get along. Or you just gotta kind of learn to live with it. But what the Bible says from beginning to end is that God is a God of justice. He is a God of righteousness. And in unjust systems and oppression and racism and all the things that kind of go on in our world, God has an issue with. God has a problem with it. And in the story of the Bible, we see that after Adam and Eve fell and after they were banished from Eden, things fell off the rail pretty quick. Right? Un injustice and unrighteousness got, a, got a, a foothold very quickly. So you see Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. You had Cain killing Abel. And then you fast forward a little bit and it says in, in Genesis chapter 6 that God saw that every inclination of every human being's heart was evil all the time. So injustice and unrighteousness had just spread. And so God did a reset. He, set, he sent the flood. But then even in Noah's family, after you know, Noah's family survived the flood, there was a, an unjust incident that happened in Noah's family right after the flood. And then a few years later, you have the Tower of Babel. And, and so you just see that things are going from bad to worse. But God had a plan. And so God's plan was he chose one person. He chose Abraham. 
And he said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Abraham, I want you to follow me. I'm going to show you another land. I'm going to, I want you to follow me and just trust me. And, and what I'm going to do with your family is I'm going to teach you in very specific ways. I'm going to reveal myself to you and I'm going to teach you what it means to be my people. And so actually what it says when God calls Abraham, it says this in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 to 3. It says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God's plan was to bless the whole world through Abraham's descendants, through Abraham's family. And what the Bible tells us as it reveals God's plan is that God's family or the Israelites, they were created to do righteousness and justice. This idea, this understanding of righteousness and justice was absolutely foundational to what God was calling Abraham and his family to be all about. And so the, so the word righteousness, right, that's typically not a word we use a lot these days. We think of righteousness as being good, and we're like, well, what does that even mean? But, but the Hebrew word is very specific. The Hebrew word is sadiq, and it refers to right relationships between people. And so if someone is righteous... What that means is that they live their life treating people with dignity and unsurpassable worth, aware, understanding that they're made in the image of God. That's what it means to be righteous. And then you have the word justice. And the word justice, you know, like I said, it means so many different things to us now. Everybody kind of uses it for their purposes. But biblically, the word justice, the Hebrew word is mishpat. And it can mean retributive justice. And that means that if I, you know, if I steal something, I've got to pay it back or I've got to go to jail for stealing something. So justice is served. But most often in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, the word justice refers to restorative justice. And what that means is that the people of God, we are to align ourselves with those who are oppressed. That we are to, look at, to be on the lookout for people who are being mistreated. For people who are people who don't have a voice and we're to be their voice. That one of the things that it means to be for us to, to be God's image bearers is that we have the same heart that God has when it comes to injustice and unrighteousness. That we're going to take steps, that we're going to align ourselves with those who are oppressed. And that we're even going to look for ways when we see society, you know, with unjust systems and structures. One of the things that it means when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It means that we look to reform and you, you go through history and you see some of the major reforms that we've seen. Whether it was from people like William Wilberforce who was abolishing the slave trade or Martin Luther King Jr. with civil rights. can go on and on. It was Christians who were understanding what it means for us to pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is something that just runs all throughout the Bible. And some of the verses that, that they showed in the video, it says in Proverbs 31.8, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Right? That's what it means for us as the people of God. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Or Jeremiah 22 verse 3, this is what the Lord says. Be fair-minded and just. Do what is right. Help those who have been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. Quit your evil deeds. Do not mistreat foreigners, orphans, and widows. Stop murdering the innocent. 
And so a trifecta that we actually see in the Old Testament over and over again is immigrants, orphans, and widows. And the reason immigrants, orphans, and widows come up over and over again is because in that society, much like our society now, those were the ones who were the most disadvantaged. Those were the ones who had nobody to look out for them. And God says, if you're going to be my people, if you're going to say that you love me, what you need to do is you need to look out for the immigrant, the widow, and the orphan. This is part of what it means to, to be the people of God. It's not like an extra thing. It's absolutely foundational to what it is we're called to be, what it is we're called to do on the earth. Psalm 146, verses 7 to 9. It says, He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows. There's that trifecta again. And over and over again in the Bible, the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. But he frustrates the plans of the wicked. And so, as it said in the video, the Hebrew word here for wicked means guilty or wrong, but referring specifically to someone who mistreats another human being. Someone who ignores their dignity as the image of God. And so, as you can see, to God, justice and righteousness, the way that we treat one another, the way that we speak up for one another, it's a huge deal. So the Israelites, they were called to be God's special people. And God was going to reveal to them what justice and righteousness looks like. And so God, you know, he delivered them from the Egyptians, 400 years in slavery. And then he brings them into the promised land. But rather than being the people of God who display true justice and true righteousness, they're no better than the Egyptians. They mess up over and over and over again. And so God has to judge the Israelites. He's always trying to get their attention. The prophets are sent to them. And if you notice, if you read through the prophets, you'll see that it's just this same theme over and over again. There's idolatry. And when there's idolatry, it always leads to injustice and unrighteousness. And so the prophets are constantly, they're saying to the Israelites, you're missing your purpose. You're missing what it is you're called to be, what it is you're called to do. You are to reflect me. You are to be my image bearers. You're blowing it. And all throughout the message of the prophets, we see that. Even with, with remember Sodom and Gomorrah, right? That was a, two, two cities that were destroyed in the book of Genesis. And so we think of Sodom and Gomorrah, we think of their sin... And the reason that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah was because there was sexual sin and there was rape and there was, there was all sorts of violence. But it says this in Ezekiel. It says this in Ezekiel 16, verse 49. It says, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. And so we focus on the you know, other sins, but God, God says, yeah, but no, a big part of the problem was that they were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. And so the problem is, is that we're all bent towards injustice, right? This is an issue. This is a problem that runs through the human heart. And that, you know what, we just see, like what happened with the Israelites, it just happens over and over and over again. It happens in society, it happens in families, it happens in relationships. We are all guilty of injustice. We all are guilty of it in one way or the other. Now, one of the criticisms that I have for our kind of 
modern justice focus that we have, right? Because there really is in our culture right now, there's this real intense focus on justice. Because people see, listen, the world that we live in, there's oppression. People are mistreated. Things are not the way that they should be. Everybody's aware of that. Everything, you know, anything that people get, get excited about or that they're talking about on TV or politicians are talking about somehow comes back to the issue of justice. This is a huge deal. But one of the problems that I see with some of the people now leading this, this modern kind of justice movement is that it's completely cut off from an understanding of God. It's completely cut off from an understanding of, of who God is and how he defines biblical justice. And there's a real lack of self-awareness because people don't understand that this runs through their heart just as well. So many people now, they look at previous generations and they say, oh man, they were terrible. There was injustice and there was unrighteousness. And it's true, there was. There always has been. There, always, there will be till Jesus comes back. But what they don't understand is that, is that that problem runs through their hearts as well. And so they kind of can be very quick to say, you know what, we, we're the righteous ones and we're going to fix this. And so then if they're you know, not being aware, there can be a harshness and there can be, you know, whether it's cancel culture or, or lack of forgiveness or lack of mercy or, or, or you know, really hard, you know, just kind of, kind of justice that they're trying to administer to people. And so we have this situation all throughout humanity, all throughout history, things that we've done, so many things that we've done to try to fix it. It just, it hasn't fixed it. It seems that no matter what we do, we can't get a handle on this. And so here we are in 2022, you know, we got, we got, you know, live in this world that's full of injustice and people still go hungry. People are caught in the middle of wars. You know, people experience racism. There's economic oppression. And we all experience it. We're victims of it. But sometimes we benefit from it. Oftentimes we ignore it. It says this in Isaiah 64, verse 6, all of us have become like one who was un unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And so what do we do? What is the way forward? What do we do with, with this broken world that we live in that is so full of injustice, that is so full of unrighteousness, where it's so hard for people to treat people with the dignity and the value and worth that they deserve because they're made in the image of God? And it says in Romans 7, 24, 25 says, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, what God has done, this issue of injustice and unrighteousness, God sent Jesus. Now, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to get a little theological here for a moment. I, I just, you know what? I, I never get tired of talking about the gospel. There's nothing better than talking about the, the pure and simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it says in Romans that Jesus is the second Adam, right? And so that means Adam was the first Adam. The Adam in Genesis was the first Adam. Adam and all of us, we had a job to do. We were to reflect God. We were to be the image bearers of God. People were supposed to be able to look at us and say, oh, okay, I know what God's like. There's justice, and there's righteousness, and there's love, and there's mercy, and there's goodness, but we've messed that up. So then what God did is he sent the second Adam, and Jesus came, and Jesus exhibited perfect righteousness. He exhibited perfect justice. He exhibited perfect love. He treated people with 
perfect mercy. When you read the Gospels, it's just amazing. Like, he gives mercy to, you know, to, to Gentiles and Samaritans. But, but then you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he calls them out. I mean, he balanced justice and mercy perfectly because he was the true image of God. Right? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus came and he did what we all messed up, right? The, the word for sins, it's all of, us have, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word for sin is amartia. It means to miss the mark. So we miss the mark. You miss the mark. Would anyone here say, no, 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 Phil. I have purposely, perfectly fulfilled righteousness all throughout my life. Any, any hands here? Anyone say, no, 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 I've always, every single person, I've treated them with the dignity and value and worth that they deserve. I've exhibited it perfectly. Right? We, we know that we haven't. But what God did with Jesus is not only did he send us an example, he sent us a substitute. Because Jesus died on the cross in our place. Jesus went to the cross, bore our sins, and bore our guilt. And then what it says here, what it says in in, uh, in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 22, it says, Now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. See, what they thought is that the way we're going to become righteous is we've got to obey the law. We've got to be good. We've got to, you know, the Jewish law, the moral law, whatever. That's how we're going to become righteous. And what Paul says is, no, 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 no. There's a whole other way. A whole other way to get the righteousness that we know that we need. This righteousness, verse 22, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And then it goes on, it says in Romans 5.21, and I love this verse, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, that's what the gospel is. You had a calling. God made you. And he made you, you know, we talk about it all the time, on purpose, for a purpose. Your purpose was to bear God's image. Your purpose was to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's righteousness. That's justice. You messed up. I messed up. We continue to mess up. But what Jesus did when he went to the cross, he said, I have fulfilled, I'm the second Adam, I fulfilled the obligation to bear God's image perfectly. And so now I'm going to clothe you with my righteousness. I'm going to take off your filthy rags. And I'm going to give you my righteous rags. And so is that, you know, that famous hymn, hymn that says, clothed in, in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. And so I don't know how you've messed up. I don't know what has gone on in your life. I don't know who you've disappointed. I don't know. And, I, you know, maybe you've disappointed. You've broken the hearts of people in your life. You messed up your marriage. You maybe weren't there for your kids. Maybe it was even hard to see parents dedicating their kids because you're like, I wasn't there. I don't know what you've done in your life. But what I'm here to tell you right now is that, is that whatever you've done, Wherever you feel shame, wherever you've messed up, wherever you've marred the image of God, that is not the end of the story because Jesus died so that you could be clothed in his righteousness. And it is a gift that you receive. You don't earn it. What could you possibly do to earn the righteousness of the Son of God? There's nothing you could do. It's a gift that you receive. But you see, the wonderful thing is, is God doesn't only positionally give us righteousness. God also, now that we're reconciled to God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. 
And so now, because of the Holy Spirit, God is going to give you the power to live the life that he's called you to live. The life that you could never live on your own. That now you have the Holy Spirit inside of you so you can love people. So you can love your neighbor as yourself. So that you can fulfill. Listen, and then if you fall down, the Bible says the righteous man falls down seven times, but he gets back up again. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now, because of Jesus, we can become the people that we want to be. You know, that's the thing about, about the gospel. People think like, oh, you know, Christianity, coming to church, it's so irrelevant for my life. No, your whole life, like everybody's talking about justice. Everybody's talking about righteousness. Everybody says, how do we make this world right? Everybody says, well, it's the Republicans' fault. Well, it's the Democrats' fault. Well, it's this person's fault. Well, it's that person's fault. It's our fault. It's our fault. And Jesus is the one who came to set everything right. So there's nothing more relevant than saying, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you all that I am so I can become a human being. So I can become the person that you created me to be. Someone who, as it says in Micah, it says in Micah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Where are my notes? It says in Micah 6, 8, he has shown you O mortal, or O man, or O person, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. See, this is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to be. And so let's all stand for a moment. Grimaldi, wherever you are, if you could come on up here, because I want to do some ministry. So let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. God, I bless your presence here. Lord, I thank you for the incredible salvation that you've poured out on us. Lord, I thank you for the love that you have for us. And Lord, I thank you, God, for every single person here right now. Lord, may we all be clothed in your righteousness alone. And listen, if you're, if you're here or if you're watching online, hello, online people, and you have not yet accepted this incredible gift that Jesus has for you, this is where it starts. See, your quest, your path to become fully human, to become the person that you were created to be, it starts with accepting the gift, the incredible gift that Jesus gave you. When he died on the cross, when he, when he took your place, and now his righteousness and his holiness and his goodness can be imputed, can be given, can be shared to you. Can be, he's going to Venmo you his righteousness. That's what he does. He's got it all in his account, and he's going to Venmo it to you. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, it's something that you do. You're not born a Christian. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It happens when you say, okay, Lord, forgive all my sins. I accept your free gift. And I think there's some people here today, right now, you need, to, now is the day of salvation. Today, God brought you here. 
because he wants you to leave here clothed in his righteousness alone. So come, Holy Spirit. And I think some of you right now, maybe your, your heart's kind of beating a little bit faster because it's Jesus. You can feel him like knocking on the door of your heart because Jesus said, I'm at the door. If you open up the door, I'm going to come in. We're going to hang out. Open up the door. Let Jesus in. And if you're ready to do that, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I acknowledge that I just have filthy rags. And I need to be clothed in your righteousness. I believe you died on the cross in my place. Please forgive all of my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation. And fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can have the power to become the, the man or the woman that you've created me to be. Because from here on out, I'm going to follow you. Keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, praise God, just raise your hand. And I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. If you've got the physical connection card, check off on the back that you decided to become a follower of Jesus. If you don't have that, text follow to 201 584 7188 and then we'll we'll reach out to you this week and we'll just find out how we can pray for you how we can encourage you I want to encourage you too like for many of us the next step one of the things we're really trying to do here as a church is that we we want to be a witness of, of to the world around us of justice and righteousness that's why we have the open door community center we want to give you opportunities not just to live this way with your family and everything but that we together can come together and we can and we can serve the poor that we can we can feed the hungry we can we can teach english to to immigrants so that we can welcome the we can welcome and, and love the immigrants among us and all sorts of other ways that we're seeking to to live out Micah 6:8 to love justice love mercy to walk humbly with god and i want to encourage you if you haven't yet go to the table Go to the open, door ta the open Door Community Center table right after this service. Somebody's going to be there and say, I want to help. How can I help? So maybe once a month, maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, however, however you want to do it. You can just, we're going to have opportunities. We're gonna, our churches, we're, we're called to be a church that's full of opportunities for us all together as the people of God to live out Micah 6.8. And so, so I just would encourage you to, to find the role, find the, the place where you can fit in and where you can help and be a part of this. You know, one day to, one day to help Ukraine, really take that seriously. Think about, okay, God, I want to I wanna go to work tomorrow and I just want to be conscious and aware that I'm working today to help these immigrants, to help these refugees, rather. That's, that's, that's why I'm working today. And we're going to do some ministry. Maybe we can have the, have the prayer ministry team come up. And here's a couple things that I was thinking about. Just a sense of what I felt God wanted to do. You know, God has really been moving in our midst during these ministry times. That's why we're doing it now, kind of just right here in the front of the stage and just saying, come Holy Spirit. But um, I just had a sense that, that for some of you, it's like something that has really defined your life has been injustice. That maybe in the family or maybe at work or maybe in society, whatever it is that you'd say, I feel like I've been oppressed in my life. I feel like I've been treated with, with injustice and unrighteousness. And I just want to let you know that if, and maybe somebody here, you came here today really feeling that way. God sees you. And not only does he see you, he's going to do something about it. He wants to lift his hand. He wants to lift you out of the pit that you're in. And he wants to set your feet upon a rock. 
And so we would just love to be able to pray for you. Love for you to be able to, to, for you to pray that you could receive God's mercy, His justice, His love in a new way. And I know that some of you, listen, like this is your heartbeat. Like you want to you wanna make a difference for God. You want to serve Him. You want to see justice. You want to see righteousness. We want to pray for you that you'd be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and that whatever you're doing, whether it's feeding the, feeding the hungry, whatever God's calling you to do, whatever passion's inside of you, that it's something that'll be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. We'd love to pray for you. The prayer team got together before the service and uh, they gave me a couple other things they felt God wanted to do. They had a sense that there was a woman here. You're feeling so overwhelmed and tired, especially because of your financial circumstances, that you're really weighed down with that. And, and so God sees you and, and he's for you. And we want to pray for you. A woman who's been um, uh, struggling with tinnitus, a ringing in your ears, that God wants to heal you. And so we want to pray for you that you'd receive healing. Um, Someone else, they had a sense of someone is kind of feeling this like cloudiness in their head. Like you just feel like your thinking is kind of sluggish. And whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, whatever it is, that there's something that needs to lift. And just want to pray that you'd experience freedom. Uh, someone who's got issues with their kidneys, that God wants to heal whatever's going on with your kidneys. And someone else that you have um, heart disease. And this is kind of starting now to affect other areas of your body. And so whatever, if any of those words, this is what the prayer team, they got together before the service, and this is what they felt God wanted to do. So we'd love to be able to pray for you. Whatever your needs are, we're going we're gonna to worship. We're just going to kind of be in the presence of God here. So you can come up and you can have somebody pray for you. Uh, we might need some, some more people to help us pray. So life group leaders and others, come on up and help us out. So Lord, we love you. God, we just pray in Jesus' name that we go forth from here. God, that we would that we would do justice, that we'd love mercy, and that we'd walk humbly with you, Lord, that we would be your image bearers, and that we would glorify you in all that we do this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.